But which, how crucial do you feel like having that support was for you? Oh, it was absolutely necessary. I mean, I felt like I needed more support than I had, honestly. So I woke up Wednesday morning and I was like, I'm dying. I, I, I knew in my soul that my body was dying. So I did work with Chloe, but okay, actually, this is another part of the story. So like you changed my life. And so in other areas of our life, we can pick and choose our relationships and we can get out of them when they don't serve us. But with food and with our body, it requires us to transform that relationship. And that's what's so hard. My name is Chloe, and this is the Feeder Flow podcast, where you'll find authentic conversations on how to get your period back and restore your metabolism from years of disordered eating, low-calorie diets, and excessive exercise regimes. No trendy diets of celery juice and broccoli sprouts will be found here. Rather, my mission is to teach you balance and how the foods you've most likely cut out of your diet are the very ones that are essential for health. It's time we stop fearing food and embrace all that it can do for us. Food freedom, vivacious health, and a monthly menstrual cycle is possible, and I'm going to show you how to achieve this type of wellness without obsession. Great, we are just going to dive into this. So Chelsea's on the podcast with me today. Chelsea is a former client slash someone who ended up becoming a good friend because she's from my hometown, which I rarely get clients who are from my hometown. So it's kind of nice. I feel like most of my clients are like Europe or Australia or New Zealand and like somewhere outside of the United States. So anytime I get a client uh, in my hometown, it's just, it's fun. It's been fun to get to like know you on like a client level than also a personal like more intimate level uh chelsea's a great friend to go out to drinks with late at night to go dancing she's a blast so i'm really excited to have chelsea on today so thank you for being here thanks i'm happy to be here i wanted chelsea to kind of dive into her story a little bit um because i think that helps you guys really connect and i think chelsea has a really um i mean we all have crazy, beautiful stories, Uh, but her story is very unique and beautiful, and so uh, do you want to just kind of start with uh, where you think is most appropriate, like kind of your journey here? Yeah, um, it is heavy, so I guess a little side warning about that, trigger warning. Um, I did grow up in a traumatic household, so from a young age, uh, things were pretty chaotic, and my mom wasn't stable and my dad had passed. I was around eight years old when this kind of came up for me, but my mom, I guess, never really spent time cooking or making sure that food was a priority in the house from even a young age. And my eating disorder, if I were to put a marker on when it started, it would be, I was eight years old, my mom had made blueberry muffins, and I wanted to have some. And I mean, I'm an eight-year-old, it's morning, they smell good, 
So I asked her if I could have some and I thought she said, yeah, you can have a couple. And so I ate two. You're like, wow, she's being generous today. <laughs> yeah. You can have the whole thing, I mean, sweetie. they weren't even, like, large muffins. Yeah. They, you know, they were, like, typical blueberry muffins. And so I had two. And she got out of the shower and went into the kitchen and saw that I had two and was so mad at me. Like, I just remember pure rage. Mm-hmm. Um I didn't say you could have two, you could only have one, you shouldn't even have one, like just pure rage. Mm. And I was kind of used to her having these blowouts, that was a regular thing, but I just remember being like, okay, wow, I, you know, can't, I, I messed up. So that whole day she, and this is where I want to really put a trigger warning in because this is pretty intense, but um, she then continued to push sweets in my my face all day I'm talking like rich sweets like didn't let me have any normal food it was only sweets for the rest of the day to punish me Mm. for having one extra blueberry muffin in the morning Mm. and by nighttime I was so ill it was it was terrible I I was so sick it was like food poisoning at its finest Mm. but it was that's such a trauma Oh, oh, I'm still, this is something that I will probably be working through for a while. Um, and that was, that wasn't, I, I I don't want to say that's the necessarily like the first moment of, you know, built, uh, growing an eating disorder in me, but it was a more prominent trauma. I mean, my, my dad had passed away from cancer. And so my mom had always said like red meat killed him, uh, fast food killed him, all these things killed him, and so she wouldn't let us eat meat, and she, like, instilled in our brain that all these, all this food was really bad for you, and I literally was like, well, what can I eat? And she didn't really have food in the house or feed us. Well, and then when you did eat, you felt, I mean, when you were punished for it, and then you also just felt bad about it. Like, oh no, I ate, and that's such a, that's so interesting, actually, because I was just talking to a client about kind of how this guilt and shame that a lot of us women feel around food can actually be brought all the way back to um to like biblical times if you want to go uh, the, yeah no exactly so <laughs> whoops I wh- wh- yeah whether you believe in the bible or not we have this story that has been passed down from generations yeah. to generations of adam and eve it's like weaving so our culture. eve and adam are in this beautiful paradise like you, they don't even have death like they are connected to god to source right and all of a sudden the snake which is satan tempts eve she te- he tempts the woman. The woman goes and eats the fruit. She is the reason for the fall of mankind in this whole story. And now we're punished for life. Totally. Well, <laughs> and right when she right when she eats it, what happens? She all of a sudden becomes I forget how they put it. She becomes aware of her nakedness. She clothes herself. She and is, is ashamed of her shame. body. Yeah. Instantly. And so we have this story here for, you know, it's for just like energetic. Years and years and years. Yeah. yeah. Of like woman eats, woman feels shame, guilty, is disconnected from source, herself, God, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. And I just find it I put that in my uh, body image module as well. 
uh, for the Get Your Flow On course because I just thought it was so fascinating how yeah. this is not it is our story and it's not our story. Like that is something that I think a lot of my clients, they feel that same way that like, I feel guilty for eating. I feel like it's something I shouldn't be doing, especially when it comes to treats or something like that. Right. I mean, I think one, one of the biggest ways, um, that situation when I was eight manifested for me was I, it wasn't even that I was scared to eat food because I thought it would you know, make me fat or whatever. It was like, I was scared to eat food because I was like, that's going to make me throw up mm-hmm. because my mom had punished me. And that was not the only time. Like that was something that she, that was just in from that moment forward. That was a part of our relationship. And I am still battling that where mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't know if like this plate of food might make me sick later. Mm. And it's like, I could, I could have a million moments where it doesn't happen and it still haunts me because it was such a pivotal, pivotal time of my growing up and Mm. from a person that is supposed to be this, you know, safe haven. So yeah, yeah, I I definitely feel like I have a very unique story in that way. And then when I was at, you know, when I was growing up, like I remember my mom wouldn't send me to school with food. And wouldn't give me five bucks for lunch. And I would be sitting in the cafeteria at lunch just, like, grieving over the fact that I didn't have food. And everyone around me had these extravagant lunches Mm. or was always given money and taken care of. And then I would, after school, then I would go to practice. And then I would go to the gym because my mom didn't want to watch me. So I wouldn't go home till eight. And it was like, I just, it was became my life where I just didn't eat. Mm. And so for me, it was like, and then put sports on top of it, then the image started to come in. Mm. But, and that wasn't until later though, but like really the root of my eating disorder was just, it like food was not a part of my life. You were put in that scarcity mindset yeah. from such a long from, time yeah. and you developed such a, a difficult relationship with this thing called food and nourishment from such a young age. And this is what's so hard about eating disorders is that, you know, in other relationships in our life, like we were just talking about your work and how you have a client that you're not really that fond of right now. And you're like, I can't wait to get rid of this client. Right. (laughs) And so in other areas of our life, we can pick and choose our relationships and we can get out of them when they don't serve us. But with food and with our body, it requires us to transform that relationship. And that's what's so hard. This is like the same with alcohol. And I'm not saying it's not hard to get over alcohol, but I think it's so, so, so hard to get over food stuff because you have to be present with it. Alcohol, you can just go, okay, I'm not going to have it. I know that that's not as easy as going that, but eventually you get to the place of being sober and it's just not in your life and you don't have to deal with that relationship. Yeah, you can't but, just let go of food and not not have it. Yeah, it's like, like you no, have you have figured out. You've had to learn over <laughs> yeah. the years and you're still learning <clears throat> how to now be like, okay, I get that food this one time made me feel really sick, but how can I have a new experience with food right now mm-hmm. and change how I feel about it? Mm-hmm. Because that's also how we think and feel and what we believe about the foods going to impact how it reacts in our body. Mm -hmm. So it can become, and I'm wondering if you've noticed that with yourself of it kind of becoming a little bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy of like, Oh no, this is going to like hurt me in some way. And then having it actually like react negatively. Have you noticed kind of how maybe your thoughts and your Mm. feelings have impacted how you like digest and assimilate certain foods? 
Yeah, I th- and I think it's less now. Um, now that I have the awareness that like that I that was an issue. Um, it wasn't until I went through recovery to then catch my thoughts and think, oh, I'm I'm thinking negatively. Like I'm gonna pause and take a moment, and I'll literally close my eyes and try to feel it in my cells. Like this is nourishing. This is good for me. I'm gonna feel great after doing this. Mm-hmm. And I and I it's it's like one of those things where I'm faking it till I make it. Like I just mm-hmm. I have to <clears throat> bring that in. And you uh, you made me think of like. Uh, how I kind of got or realized that I had a problem. Should I should I go into that now? Go, yeah. Um, so I'm 37, and so I I probably struggled with this eating disorder for almost 30 years, which is a very it's crazy. It's a very long time for your body to be harmed, like very long time. And I know some people have you know <clears throat> have it for longer, but. I I was living next to a trail in the mountains in Santa Barbara and the trail was like just my saving grace like that this trail changed my life really but it was the beginning of the pandemic and I was running on this trail every day with my dog not eating <laughs> hardly and I remember you know, I, w- I would, it, basically a day looked like I would get up and I would run this trail with my dog and I'd come back and um, the beginning of the pandemic was so weird with work that I was like, you know, kind of shuffling around trying to figure out work and that definitely added to the stress of not eating. But mm-hmm. I would come back and I would have like, I don't know, three pieces of salami and a salad. And I remember one day I opened the fridge to eat, eat these things And I literally, like, inside of my heart and soul, I didn't say it out loud, but I cried out to the universe so loud inside of myself. And I I said, does everyone feel like this? Does everyone feel hungry and they're unable Mm. to eat and they're struggling? Like, is this normal? And I just remember crying out, like, is there going to be a day that I don't feel this way, that this doesn't consume my life? And I still was kind of in, in denial about, thinking that I had, like, a eating disorder. Yeah. Like, because I think, again, because it had been ingrained in me at such a young age, yeah. I just was, like, I knew that I was in pain. I knew that I was suffering. And all I could do was, like, be quiet and, and cry out about it. And so it was, <clears throat> like, clockwork, clockwork a month later. Um, is that what is that when you met me a month no, later? No, no, no. Oh, okay. This, this I'm getting to this. this okay, I want I want to pause though real yeah. quick before you continue on with the uh, with your journey. I remember feeling the same exact thing, and I think probably a lot of listeners are really resonating with that thought of like, is this always going to be something that is just like consuming. heavy on my mind? Yeah, yeah. consuming and are definitely. other people thinking this? And are other people think? I used to think it was so weird where I'm like, someone's just sitting there and they're not trying to lose weight. I'm yeah, like, and they're just what? eating. A like hamburger? you're just eating. Like yeah. this isn't something. Oh, totally. you're, you're not thinking of like how you can burn that off later. Like what? Yeah. That's not a thing that people think about. Oh, and totally. I was so. so 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 deeply warped in it that there wasn't even the possibility 
in my mind at that point to even think of the possible like freedom that could be yeah um yeah and so I just want to share that because I know you're still on your journey and all that but you've improved a lot and I also just want to share my perspective where it's like that's not even a thing anymore like it's not even a thing when I sit down like last night it was Christmas dinner oh my gosh first off the amount of food that we had, like decadent, like rack of lamb, like really decadent food, scalloped potatoes, and then all the desserts, the toffees, the chocolates, I mean, the pies, style. all the things. <laughs> yeah. So decadent, so rich. There wasn't even one thought in my mind of like, oh, I shouldn't have this or, oh, this is a lot of food or I should not eat. I'm had lunch I had breakfast like Mm. we had food Mm. before like Mm -hmm. it wasn't even a thought of I have a big dinner coming up like Mm -hmm. I need to you know not eat anything right now it's just another dinner and it's so cool to finally be able to walk into a place and be like it's just a dinner like what is there to be afraid of right um but anyways just wanted to put that in there because I know a lot of people are probably thinking this is impossible but it's not impossible yeah I mean I will also agree it's not and You know, in that, there was months, I mean, I went for a year thinking that this is impossible, but, um, but so your journey a month later. Yeah, so a month later after I was like crying out to the universe, um, I woke up and I felt really weird. It was like a weird that, I mean, I, looking back now, I'm like, oh yeah, I was so sick. I mean, I was, like, incredibly depressed. I had no control over my moods. I felt like shit all the time. Excuse my language. I, like, my body was literally scarcely holding on for anything it had left. Um, I don't even know how I ran. But, like, I woke up. Well, stress hormones. (laughs) I know. Like, I mean, my hormones were totally totally out of whack but like this is why I always talk about like vitamin a awareness like it's so important to have enough of that vitamin because when we're going through this a lot of us just simply aren't even aware no I and like, I, and it's I, not I even I'm, I'm fine what are you talking about but if we bring in awareness that's when we can start seeing you're not fine oh <laughs> wait a minute like yeah this this is shitty and this sucks yeah um and so I woke up on a Sunday morning and I was like, something feels off. I, I like, I, it was a feeling I'd never had before. And my friend was like, do you want to hike to the hot springs? And I was like, yeah, which was totally stupid of me to do. So I hiked to the hot springs, came back. I got home and an hour later I came down with a crazy high fever. I'm talking like 103. <clears throat> and, uh, I was like, okay, so maybe I caught the virus because it's the pandemic. (laughs) Like, what's going on? And I go to bed. I wake up the next day, and I'm like, this is not something you catch. I don't know what this is, but, like, something is wrong. Um, I had nerve pain all over my body. Mm. I had a temperature that would not go down no matter what I did. I had swelling. Like, my body was having this inflammation response. Um, I could, I could hardly stand. And so that was, so Sunday I came down with that. And then Tuesday I called one of my best friends and I was like, Hey, um, I'm not okay. And I'm not entirely sure what's going on, but can you just have your phone on for me? Because I'm not going to be able to get myself down the mountain. Mm. And I, I think I will need help. And in that moment, I should have just done something then, but I was like, I'll stick it out one night. And I, I'm talking, I was like, 
I was like sweating through the night so profusely that mm. I had I would have to change my clothes three times through the night, change my sheets, put more towels under me. I mean, I was like I mean, your body was in complete shock. I was I yeah, so I woke up yeah. Wednesday morning and I was like I'm dying. I I I knew in my soul that my body was dying. Mm. I called my friend and I, it was like 7 a.m. I was like, I have to go to the ER right now. And I don't know if you can take me, but I like, I if you there. can't, I got to call an ambulance because I'm dying. And he was like, I'm coming right now. He came and got me, brought me down the mountain. And there was like a line in the ER and they saw me and they were like, you're going back right away. Like hmm. you could see that I was like, yeah, you dropping. Mm-hmm. So I get to the ER and like right away, they're just like hooking up my heart and they're like, you are completely depleted in potassium, iron, calcium, albumin, like just every marker that you could be depleted in, I was. And I guess I didn't know this at the time, but potassium is so incredibly crucial for your body (laughs) to function. Like it balances out everything, including your heart. And so, and I had been having these crazy heart murmurs for months so I had heart issues as yeah. well. A lot of people do. It's actually the number one thing that will kill someone with an eating disorder exactly. is going to be their heart. Um, when you live in an amenorrheic state as well, this is why I always tell people, I'm like, it's not okay to not have a period. Oh, totally. Because when Terrible. you don't have enough estrogen, your arterial walls, like it requires estrogen to dilate. And so <clears> when you don't have enough estrogen, your arterial walls will harden, making it really easy for there to be a for there to be a block. Um, so that can cause a heart attack or a stroke. Um, anyways, I remember going to the doctor's offices like, you know, years ago. I would always go in and they would take my pulse. And they'd always be like, oh, it's super, super low. Like they would have a hard time finding it. And I always thought that that meant that I was athletic. But I really want to be clear here that having a low pulse is not healthy. And athletes are known to have heart attacks excuse me, um, they are not the healthiest people in the world always, despite I mean, I their phys- yeah, despite their physique looking a certain way. And that's why yeah. we have to stop looking at physique and we have to look at other markers for health. But anyways, yeah, not eating enough and not eating properly is going to really mess up with your electrolytes, which also which really a poses area. a huge threat on your heart health. So yeah, you just want to mention that this isn't like a Oh my gosh, her heart randomly was doing something weird. No. This is a like is common purely... sign of someone who's struggling with food. Yeah. yeah. And um I remember looking at the nurse who was hooking up my heart and she had this like kindness in her eyes and I was just tears were streaming out of my eyes because there was like ten people on me hooking me up to stuff. And she I and she was like, Are you scared? And I was like, Yes, I feel like I'm mm. dying and she's like, Well, she's like based off of your report right now, your body is dying. Mm. I was in sepsis. Like, my kidneys were shutting down. It was it was the most intense, like, week of my life in mm. the hospital. And every day I just thought, I'm still dying. Like, I still don't – I still feel like I'm dying. And um, the doctor had done every test in the book on me. Like, he thought that I wasn't able to – take in nutrients so he like had the they put a tube down my throat mm. you know while I was awake it was terrible that's traumatizing and, Again, I, and, and I was already traumatized because yeah. I was already like hooked up and like thought yeah. I was dying and <clears throat> my brother luckily is a nurse 
uh, he doesn't live here, but he's a nurse, and he call he was like on the doctors like every yeah. time. Uh, the whole time. Just send me send me the records. I need to look at what's going on. I need to look at what's going on. And I think it was like day three in the hospital. My brother was like, Chelsea, you're depleted in a marker that is a depletion for anybody malnourished. Mm. And he's like, you need to tell your doctor that you're malnourished and you need to come out with whatever's going on. Mm. And I think that was really one of those moments where I was like, like a light bulb went off and I was like, oh, wow. Like I didn't realize that. And thank God my brother kind of knows like. Yeah. He knows about your life and to some degree. Yeah. yeah. He was older, but yeah, I think he like knew, you know, some stuff was going on. And so the doctor came in and I was like, uh, so my, my brother called and you know, he is, he brought it to my awareness that I'm malnourished. And before I could get another word out, the doctor looked at me and he put his hands, his hand around his chin. So his fingers were on his cheekbones. And he literally said, no, you, we would see it right here. This is <laughs> something that really irks me because I'm haunted by this memory. <laughs> they again, a lot of people don't understand that eating disorders can be at, you know, any shape, any size. Literally, yeah. And so you don't they're have waiting. To look like you have one. Yeah, they're waiting until they see the emaciated, uh, really, really small, tiny person to diagnose them with an eating disorder. Uh, if you go in and let's even just say you're lean, they won't even come up with the eating disorder thing because they're like, well, you look healthy, you look fine. And I have a lot of clients actually who have been, you know, over the years, they've been hospitalized before. And when I look at like them and their Instagram and all that, I'm like, they, you would never guess according to what they're looking for, right? Because I'm like, oh, they're athletic, they're fit, they're tan, like, great, they don't have an eating disorder. But it's just really unfortunate that it's, we live in a society that almost praises restriction. It well, praises, praises like a 14-year-old boy body. It does. It totally, it praises us being really, really <clears throat> skinny and maintaining a certain quote-unquote look or aesthetic. And it's sad that that's blocking even doctors' eyes from being able to see someone who's dealing with a medical condition. Oh, totally. I mean, that doctor was like, I don't know what you have, but you don't have that. And mm. like walked out of the room and... Wow. Yeah. So I ended up getting, uh, you know, released from the hospital a week later. And to them, it was inconclusive. Luckily, my friend who had brought me, I'm going to reserve saying his name um, publicly, but he brought me home to his house and uh, his family fully embraced me and took me in and was like, we will feed you and make sure you, you know, recover. And so I lived with them for two months almost. And then uh, I moved into town because my friend who I was staying with was like, I think you need to be down here with people. Like you need to be off the mountain for a while and you need to be surrounded by people who love you. And be closer to restaurants and places where you can like yeah. make sure you're getting the care you need. And uh, I still, I still kind of didn't like. I, I mean, I really, really, really struggled to eat at first, and and a lot of that was just my body had gotten so sick and almost died that I had like intense nausea. I had 
nerve pain still um like the balancing out of nerve pain by the way can just be neuropathy it can be a lack of b12 it's one of the influences of yeah. the of the tingling of the feet and all that yeah i mean i i just like felt like crap for so long but um my friend's mom was like really impactful on me she would she would come in and and bring me food and say okay um, I'm going to eat extra right now because I'm thinking about my future self that won't be able to eat in time, you know, to when I'm going to be hungry. Like I have to work an extra hour. So I'm eating more now. And she would say these things like every day to me. And then she would, you know, be like, okay, well, here's what a balanced thing looks like and bring Mm -hmm. me like uh, the carbohydrate the protein and the you know all all the fat like yeah because your mind gets so just like you don't even have any idea oh totally like if you would have asked me a couple years ago like make me a balanced meal it would have been like okay brussels sprouts green beans broccoli like oh totally it would have been like the most unbalanced meal i know your perception is so 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 off which is why i'm so glad that you found people in your life who were willing to spend that time and that attention and care to like really show you and like support you I mean I had my sister she was a big one I would just like even look at what she was eating yeah. and even if I couldn't get myself to do that over time I look at that and I'd understand oh what I'm doing is imbalanced yeah what she's doing is leading to her being really healthy and yeah. strong and you over time at least for me I began to trust that more mm-hmm. and more I mean like okay it's becoming blatantly obvious that what I'm doing isn't working or really mm-hmm. bringing me health and what she's doing is so and I know we're all different so it's not saying we need to eat the same exact thing but it was the idea of she wasn't restricting at all mm-hmm. she was eating pretty balanced so yeah. I'm glad that you had that yeah and and my friend um while I was there sat me down and I'll never forget this conversation and he was like you know sat me down and was like I need your full attention and I was like okay I'm here and uh, he grabbed my hand and said, it doesn't matter what your body does during this time of you getting better. It doesn't matter if you gain 10 pounds or 30 pounds or whatever. He's like, I love you. And so do, so do our friends. And so does my family. The love doesn't change based on what you look like. Mm. And that was like a really pivotal memory and I was still struggling like I I mean this was like you know undoing 30 years yeah yeah and it wasn't until so I had so fast forward I had moved into my own spot which was a really rough transition living alone I, I had lived alone before and I was comfortable with that it was just like a rough transition as far as like feeding myself so I, I really relied on like having a lot of snacks, having a lot of like frozen stuff, having quick things to go, like not punishing myself for getting food out, which was like something that my mom yeah, taught me. Yeah, you're not me. a bad we person, right, for eating. Well, she taught me yeah. that it's bad to eat out. Like that's going to give you cancer. And you guys, you might not have a mother who was doing this, but I think a lot of us are getting these messages just from society in general. Totally. So Yeah, so I became like a queen of like, takeout you know I was Mm -hmm. just like I'm diving into whatever and then I also continued to go to my friend's house two nights a week for dinner so they had really integrated me into their family and it wasn't until um I was still just so struggling and I think it was like December or November or December of uh 
the end of 2020 and <clears throat> I took my dog to the beach and I knew I, his end of life was coming up and I knew he was going to pass away soon and I was just kind of still like a wreck like I still didn't feel good like I just was I mean it might have been earlier than November maybe October I don't remember but I ran into one of our mutual friends and she was like oh can I walk with you and I was like yeah and uh, she was like, how are you? And I was just like, not okay. And so I just said, you know, I'm actually not okay. Like I almost died. Um, and people don't really believe me when I say that, but it, but I, but she but is like so the, real. She is the best person to open up to. About that. I know. Like I know. you picked a good person. To I know. Open it was just to. one of those, like the yeah. universe still was yeah. like, okay, you're not done. Here's this person. And, and then I was like, you know, I, I almost died from an eating disorder. I have no idea what I'm doing. Um, my dog is dying. I'm just not okay. And, and she was like, one of my best friends like works with people with eating disorders. Do you want me to connect you? And I was like, I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't. It's daunting. I, I don't, I don't <laughs> know. So I, don't, I don't know if I, and at yeah. the time, like I hadn't been working and I had just like moved out to this expensive apartment and I was like, I can't even pay for help, but I need help. Like, I don't even know if I like, do I need help? Like I was just, and I was saying all this mm. stuff out loud to her and she was like, I think you need help. I'm just going to do it. And so she gave you my contact and you called me. And honestly, if it wasn't for that moment, I mm. would not have gotten to where I am now, which is like. I'm still battling some demons, but I'm, like, way you're, recovered. And you're stable and, like, yeah, you've gotten and through. And question eating. Yeah, you've gotten through. <laughs> well, oh, my gosh. Chelsea, I love it. She, like, sends me all these, like, pictures of her eating, like, hamburgers and stuff out and about. And, I'm, and like, croissants with, like, cheese it. and turkey. And, like, love literally, it. like, every time I go get a croissant, I send the photo to Chloe. Because, like, <laughs> croissants are the thing. best. It's such a me thing. I love croissants. I love croissants. And how could I? I literally never had one until now. Oh, my gosh. That's crazy. Like, I just, like, about that. I wouldn't yeah. even eat cookies, you know? Yeah. And a, a lot of it was, like, my mom had, like, punished me so bad with sweets that, like, even now when I eat, like, a piece of cake, I'll feel nauseous. And I think that's just, like, a memory recall thing my body's doing. It can be a nervous system response. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So I'm still kind of, like, easing into that. Like, I bought a cookie the other day and I enjoyed it. And I was like, oh, this is good. And and I still, yeah. I like sweets yeah. a lot, but I think it's just, you know, I'm still, I'm still getting over, like... And I, I just take it one no step one at a time. No one says that you need to be perfect right here, right now. Like, this yeah. is your journey, is yeah. that you are learning how to be with food and to be with this thing called nourishing your body. And yeah. it's, you know, it doesn't require perfection. It just requires that you continue to move forward and take those steps yeah. uh, towards getting mm -hmm. yourself to where you want to be, which is that place where you're like, I do want to just be able to eat the cookie. Right. So I love that you had a cookie the other day, even though you're like, I'm still feeling iffy about this. Yeah. And like my body's still reacting like, <clears throat> you know, it's a little bit on edge about this, but I'm still going to do it because I know that this is going to be my way to getting through this is just by like, yeah introducing this stuff back into my body to give myself the opportunity to build a different relationship with it. Yeah, and I think one thing that I've really leaned on during this time is I have such an anxious, nervous response to a lot of food still that I there's um, 
like safe foods I have and I'm not talking about safe like broccoli or whatever it's safe as in like okay I know I can eat like a grilled cheese and that's not going to have a nervous response on me and so I'll do that or like I know that I can make rice with like scrambled eggs like and or smoothies like if I'm really having like a high anxious like nauseous day like smoothies are the thing because, like, the second I get anxiety around food, I get nauseous. Mm. And so it's really this, like, tipping point. And then I have I have moments where it's, like, weeks go by where I'm good. But I still have, like, it's almost, it's, it's like PTSD, really. Yeah. And, I mean, luckily I'm in therapy twice a week. So that's another thing is, you know, I work with a nutritionist as well regularly. She's really on me. And then I also go to therapy twice a week. So I really pulled in the support for this, but... Which, how crucial do you feel like having that support was for you? Oh, it was absolutely necessary. I mean, I felt like I needed more support than I had, honestly. Like, I was so deep in trauma that, like, I I needed someone to, like, pull me up out of the well. I don't know why a lot of people are, um, are hesitant with help. When help does help. <laughs> like, well, you find, just you find in a good help and help helps. Oh, totally. 100%. Like, there, I, I, like, I think we all should go to therapy and never be ashamed of it. Oh, my gosh. Therapy has been so... Actually, Cohen, I see the same therapist as Chels because she's... <laughs> I recommended her. <laughs> she's an amazing person. Just, oh, my gosh. Yeah, best. She's just, like, changed my life. Yeah. But I go... I, too, I see her two times a week. I love getting help now. Oh yeah, me too. It's such a different perspective shift where before I thought I was being weak for getting help. I thought that, oh, like now you're pretty much owning up to the fact that there's something quote unquote wrong. No, you literally become more powerful. I've become so like, oh, it's just, and I crack up sometimes because I'll go and I'll, I'll sit in her office and I will just blabber for the whole hour. And she's like, just sitting there and I get up and I'm like, that was fantastic. Thank you. It's like, she's like, you're an auditory processor. I'm like, oh, I know. So to me, what's even helpful is literally just like having someone who's going to listen to my stuff. And I process through a lot of it. Yeah. It's, they're not, they're not involved in your personal life. Like, honestly, it's, it's, it's a safe place to go. And I, I'm going to plug this here, here right now is, like, go to therapy. Like, it'll change your life. And yeah. we go to what's called neurofeedback, and they also do hypnosis. And um, neurofeedback is incredibly powerful for trauma because it helps. Your your brain waves literally get out of whack when you have trauma. And, and we all experience traumas, like small, large, medium mm-hmm. size, whatever. We experience them through our lives. And the neurofeedback just tell it goes in and says hey brain like we don't really like that you're working here so we're going to inhibit you from here to here whereas it's a healthier state Mm -hmm. and then it rewards your brain so it moves in that place again and it just helps you overcome trauma I like I wish I knew about neurofeedback before because I feel like it would have been so absolutely helpful. I go obviously not for food issues or anything anymore. I have so oh life. I go for a ton of different reasons. I have yeah. life life issues now. Yeah, um, but I can only just imagine how much that would have helped me. Uh, oh yeah, reduce anxiety and kind of calm down my brain, especially with the I was very overactive, so exercise addiction. I was always needing to move and all that. Oh yeah, I feel like it would have been really helpful to be like, nope, you were gonna. Well, 
it literally be calms you down. For an hour. It does. Yeah, it tells yeah. your brain like you don't need to work in that high frequency anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And like, it also it's also really nice to go in there and find out like, oh, my brain's functioning like a depressed person right now, and and just know yeah. so that you can support yourself better to like, you know, just not feed what your brain is trying to live in and do the opposite something really weird happened. this is like totally (laughs) random but something really weird happened the other day in neurofeedback where i all of a sudden uh i had a i think it was alpha wave or something just like completely like it was just skyrocketed like everything was so like low just like it kind of looks like uh what i'm saying here guys it looks like an ekg kind of like you just see your brain waves just like going up and down and all of a sudden i had this one that was just like insane she was like are you like she's like this is i see in like menopause she's like what's going on and i was like oh that's really weird and she was like okay well let's keep an eye on this the next day i got my period we ended up finding that it was that drop in estrogen that ended Whoa. up because right before your period like your hormones drop <clears throat> and so she could even see that on my brain waves cool. it was like so crazy and we've noticed it a couple of times now before my period i'll have that like huge kind of like spike in that certain wow. brain wave. anyways it's been interesting to have this feedback yeah on you learn about your brain yourself. and how it works and whether you're doing neurofeedback or just regular therapy or working with a coach or whatever it is you gain awareness of yourself Mm -hmm. and that's what again i said this probably what 20 minutes ago how important awareness is we can't change if we're not aware that something needs to be changed Mm -hmm. um and so i mean awareness is the first step and sometimes that's the biggest step to just like I, i feel like awareness is like the best key you could hold because mm even if you don't know how to take the next step after awareness, awareness somehow becomes a road and just leads yeah. you down where it's it just starts working out. So we need to slow down so that we can become aware. I think yeah. that's the first step here is yeah. we have to stop moving all the time and being so crazy and... Um, and just running around with our heads cut off, really, a lot of us. A lot of us are so overactive, and we're not taking time to journal, to meditate, to be out in nature with, like, no technology. So I even see tons of people, like, go on hikes, and they'll have their, like, phone in. And, and I get it. At times, trust me, I love my podcast. I love my music. But especially when I'm out in nature, I always try and make it a point of, like, nope, I'm going on a hike. Like, no technology here. I need to just, like, be with the birds and the trees and, like, the wind. And I just need to be hearing. And a lot of us, we don't get that time, mm-hmm. which is really unfortunate. And we're just, like, constantly bombarding ourselves with news. And a lot of that ends up being diet culture. So maybe we can swing this conversation into that direction, too, of, like, having awareness of diet culture around us. How do you feel like that... How do you feel like you've now been seeing diet culture? Oh, I hate it. I was, I mean, I was an athlete. I still, I still participate in a lot of different things now. Um, I also was a dancer, or I still am. So huge, dance has been a huge part of my life. It's actually been a huge part of my therapy. Mm. Um, and luckily it's been a place where I've been to heal a lot of the body image and I think it can be a place that can harm you or and heal you. Interesting how that Because it's really right? confronting. The, the mirror is really confronting. Everybody who's dancing with you is really confronting. Um, but n- now it's been a really healing place. But being an athlete, it's like you get caught up in diet culture so easily. And I, I even think people who are like eating disorder 
people, I don't even know what to call them, like, in social media are, like, still caught in weird diet culture, like, I, like, I don't oh, you like... you mean, like, recovery people? Yeah, like, I don't, I don't like seeing recovery people in their sports bra and tight pants all the time talking about how they look how they look. Like, that to me is annoying and, and bothersome. Like, well, that's painful. What I don't get is the, the, just the pictures of all the abs or the, like, what I ate in the Ex- day. Exactly, and that they yeah. have a picture of the abs. I walk around in my sports bra all the time, but that's because literally I just am in my sports well, we bra all the time. we live in a warm place. I, like, don't even think about But I'm talking about, like, it. intentionally, like, totally, here's totally, my body, totally. I'm recovered, and I look like this. Like, I don't know, it's like, we all just you have... look like. No. We have to stop, like... Yeah. Uh, stop putting such an emphasis, even in recovery, such an emphasis on what you look like. And, and if you're a woman, you're meant to look like a woman. Yeah. Like, yeah. we have hormones for a reason. We have hips for a reason. We have body fat for a reason. Like, we are not supposed to be, like, sans body fat. And I think diet culture is incredibly scary and dangerous. And I am... St- still encountering a lot of people in my life that are like what diet are you following we're doing keto what are you doing and I'm like I'm doing the fuck it diet <laughs> I would say I'm doing the Chloe diet I'm like eat whatever yeah Chloe like eats. I like, want to yeah. flick keto off the planet not not my point is, is like flick any diet off off the planet. Like, obviously, I understand some people have some health conditions that require them to eat eat a certain way, but that's not diet culture. Wait a minute, but pause, yeah, because being anti-diet culture does not mean being anti-health, and it does not mean, you know, not having an understanding of nutrition and how that impacts you. It's just also understanding that rules and perfection and restriction and all of those aren't going to do anything for your health. But you can eat in a way that really supports your health and your vitality and, like, supports Mm -hmm. your energy without that being dogmatic, without you needing to put a label on it. Like, people – it's like – when people are stuck in diet culture, I feel like it's like, hi, I'm Sally, I'm vegan. Hi, I'm, like, Kelly, I'm keto. It's like, that's their identity. It is their oh, label. And you guys, what you eat is the most least interesting part about you. Like, about oh, you. totally. And it's so ridiculous that we just identify with this. And when we do that, it's so hard to, like, go of it. Because it's like, but I am vegan. My community is. Everyone is. Like, this is me. And it's so hard to let that go when we've, like, developed these really strong dogmatic camps for for ourselves yeah i mean it's yeah i i get invited to vegan restaurants by my friends often and i'm like there's no good ones in town anyways i I like miss verde but like i i literally boil inside and it's not even a reaction like to to the person in front of me asking me to go to vegan but it's like i boil inside because i'm like that's killing you slowly (laughs) And no, don't invite me to go eat your cashew cheese. Can you tell that I worked with Chelsea for a couple months? <laughs> <laughs> so I did work with Chloe, but okay, actually, this is another part of the story. So, like, you changed my life. Thank you. But one thing that I think is really crucial to remember is that we aren't on a specific timeline when we're recovering. Like, I soaked in the information, I still refer to notes, I. Um, was very present during the recovery, but like my dog also passed away during recovery, which really threw me for a loop. Cause like any stressors make, make me not want to eat or any like sadness or grief. And, <clears throat> excuse me. And I still looking back, realized that a lot of things still weren't clicking and I, and I was still 
just struggling to not be nauseous every time I ate. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until I had a major hip surgery in May. And I remember my nutritionist saying, this is a absolute crucial moment for you to make sure you hit this marker, this marker, and this Mm -hmm. marker. And she was talking about like protein grams and fat grams and like fiber grams really for the recovery of my hip. And, and she was like, you need to eat more than you normally would. She's like, if you want to feel better, this is the way. Like, uh, having a surgery is just so hard. Like, my brain wasn't functioning well. Like, yeah. nothing was working well. And it took me, like, four months to really start to feel better. But I did notice a difference in... Because I had had knee surgeries in the past w- during my eating disorder. I had a very clear difference... <laughs> recovery recovery well i love how she was like really emphasizing this because it's like yeah your body needs resources to repair like what you get your resources from food guys like there's no other place and so yeah whether you're dealing with a hip surgery or recovering from an eating disorder it's the same thing your body's trying to heal you can't just be like oh, I'm just going to maybe eat. This is a, like, no, I got to be consistent. Like, with all my clients, I'm like, you have to be consistently eating. You have to be making sure that you're getting enough meat, enough protein, enough everything in. Like, that is so important because otherwise you're not going to be able to heal. Oh, totally. And one of the biggest things for me was learning how to eat in the morning. Yeah, and I remember that being huge. That for was you. really, really yeah. hard. That was really yeah. that was that because you were nauseous the, in the morning. I was so nauseous but in the morning. That's partly why. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was just so hungry. I mean, I just like couldn't do it. So like, I would do collagen or bone broth or um, yeah. like yogurt was like really healing for me because I could eat it in the morning right away and you know not yeah. not have a reaction. But another thing was making sure I had something before bed. That, yeah. that was a game changer and it took a while for it to be a game changer because I, my sleep sucked. And I always, I always woke up from that sugar drop mm. and like eating before bed was, was absolute so game changer. Does it aggravate you when you hear all these people be like, can't eat past 7 PM or like, yeah. Or like we're intermittent fasting. Oh, it drives me insane. Cause I'm like, it's so against your physiology and what your body needs to really thrive and to function yeah. well and to just artificially like sure if you're not hungry past seven then don't eat a barring if you're in recovery but i'm just saying normal person sure if you're naturally not hungry then don't eat if you were hungry why the heck would you just arbitrarily stop yourself from eating especially when it can be so good for your health to help replenish those uh, glucose levels for your liver so that you can sleep the whole night it's just it's things like that that really irritates me when diet culture is so it's so blatantly against just how the body functions. Right. And it's against common sense. And I was telling a client that the other day where it's like, if I need to, like, get out a calculator or, a, like, you know, read 20 books and do some mathematical equation to figure out what I should be eating, like, no, that's too difficult. That's not that's not our natural. It's distracting. Yeah, it's not natural. It's not intuitive. It's not going to be something that supports Yeah, you literally get health. less in tune with your body the more you follow diet culture and rest- restrictions and all these things. Like, one thing I really had to get used to was when you have an eating disorder, you get used to this, like, empty high that you have. And then I had to, I had to completely flip that and get used to like, 
I feel heavy now. And and it does go away. I did not think but, that was going to go but away. It's, but it's flipping to that word of like, I don't feel heavy. It's like I'm, I'm, I'm nourished. nourished. I'm yeah. grounded. I'm, it is a real big difference when Huge. you're running, you know, on those stress hormones. And yeah, you get the high off of feeling completely empty. It's like, oh, I got this. And that's what can, it's dangerous because it can make life feel totally fine. Because you're like, oh, I got this totally fine. Like feeling good. Uh, it is weird when you start eating and all of a sudden you're like, you slow down. You're, you're All my clients are always bit. like, I'm just, I'm slow. I don't feel like waking up at 4 a.m. anymore and working out. I'm like, beautiful. <laughs> yeah, who wants to? That's beautiful. so stupid. You guys don't wake up at 4 a.m. and work out. Um, yeah, I feel, well, maybe I'll ask you this. Do you feel a lot more like just present and grounded in your life since focusing on nourishing yourself more and not being caught up in what diet culture says you should be eating or doing or any of that? Yeah. I mean, it's wild because I feel like I've always had like a, an awareness and, um, like a different, I guess, wisdom on life. And I've always... I've always had moments, like, meditation has been a part of my life forever, but this, I was obviously, like, disconnected to my body in a lot of ways, and I think going through this reconnected a lot of things that I, like, healed things in myself, like, my relationship with my mom, it healed my relationship with women, which was huge for me. I don't have a relationship with my mom, but that I've come to terms with for a very long time now. And um, I even went to somatic therapy like in, I don't know, 2014 to 2016, which somatic therapy, for anyone who doesn't know, is really a, a body, it's in your body kind of therapy. You do certain movements in your body to become more aware of your body. And somatic therapy is all about like feeling your feet on the ground and noticing where you feel the thing in your body. And so I had those tools, but because I was raised with this disorder, I just thought it was part of, you know, it was part of me. It wasn't mm-hmm. like something I picked up in high school or later in life. It was like so ingrained that I didn't really, I was losing these connections. And so now it's a much different connection. It's deeper. It's, mm-hmm. I, I feel like I have more wisdom on my body. I'm still not perfect. I'm still not fully recovered, but like, I know that's coming with time. I'm not, get, I'm not like. I'm now in a place where I'm not, like, skipping meals. Like, every now and then, like, something happens where I have, like, a crazy day. But, yeah, like, but that's not your intention. But, but, I, but yeah. I plan better now. It's, like, I think about my future self more. I think about, mm-hmm. um, like, what snacks are going to, like, at least be there if I get stuck or something. And, like, I don't beat myself up if I get something to go or eat out. Like, that's literally not stressing over. It's so not worth stressing over. Like, just get food. If you need food, just get food. It's, like, and one thing, like, I remind myself and tell myself, like, these are just calories. It doesn't matter what it is. These are literally just calories that my body needs. Like, units of energy. It's units of energy. Yeah, it's, I'm not saying calories as in I'm counting them. It's literally just... It doesn't matter yeah. what's in front of me. I need something it's in my food. body to function, and this is yeah. what's going to go in. 
you know, I used to be so weird about, like, I couldn't have, like, let's say I had, you know, bread in the morning for breakfast. Then you couldn't then, have, it, have it later. I couldn't have it later. Yeah, totally. Or I couldn't have, like, chips later nope, or something. Nothing. Or, like, I couldn't have pizza later mm-hmm. or something else that oh, was, like, bready or anything. Pizza was a no-go forever. Yeah. And now I just, it, it makes me crack up because I'm, like, the, it's just, it, it's all the same. Like, what? <laughs> just, yeah. Like, just working, like, it's all the same thing. Like, who cares if I toast for breakfast and pizza for lunch? Like, yeah, literally. It, like, pizza's like a complete meal. It's my favorite thing in the world now. I don't get why people are against pizza. Because if I you think either. about it, I'm like, it's, it's like, bread, it's tomatoes, cheese, maybe some veggies, some, like... Protein? Like, protein, some yeah. sausage, or you know, pepperoni, whatever. I'm like, cool, so... I thought it was <laughs> Yeah, thank you. Uh, cool, so... This is yummy. <laughs> I yeah, I mean, I, like I just don't get it. But the whole, yeah, you just realize that oh, it, I just need food. It what I had for breakfast has no relation to what I'm eating right now for yeah. lunch. Like yeah, and now yeah. I can go to parties and go out with friends so and take myself on my own date at a restaurant and like get the fried chicken sandwich and. It, Ooh, I mean, have you gone to Sama Sama and gotten their chicken bao? I haven't had theirs, but I did have the next fried chicken sandwich this week, and it was good. I will take you to Sama Sama to get the fried chicken <clears throat> bao sandwich okay, and with like homemade pickled like radishes, and oh, it's so good! Like, okay, it's man. very delicious. Um, um, but yeah, like I mean, I have a shellfish allergy, so that's kind of a bothersome thing. But like, honestly, like I. Ha- it's it's a freedom I was really missing in my life. It Aww. it's a connection that I couldn't share with people that that now I can share with people. I mean, I obviously like I said I still have some like anxiety and hiccups, but like now I'm actually able to talk about it. Yeah, and and yeah. say what's You're going on with me. You're aware of it. You understand what's yeah. going on. You're not gonna let that set you back. No. Yeah. Yeah, which is great. Well, for. All the listeners, like, what what would you feel like is the best piece of advice you could give them? Even if you feel shame, just say something to someone. Mm. Just go go to someone, someone you trust, and say you need help. Like, literally yeah. start there because shame can be debilitating and crippling and prevent you from doing things in your life. And no matter where shame shows up, like, what can you do to just take one baby step forward through Mm. it? 